Let's get into things right now, opening day style, with ESPN's June Lee, fantastic writer, joining us. And uh, JJ Cooper said, hey, the style game is about to up. So, June, great to have you on and talk on the show for the first time. Happy opening day to you. And uh, what's the schedule for you and the thoughts on opening day? Yeah, I'm currently in the, the Red Sox press box at Finley Park, uh, which is why you see all this Red Sox stuff behind me. And uh, just getting ready for the first day of the season. Wait, where are you in in Fenway? Because there is not a lot of room anywhere in that press box. Oh, you're in the dining room? Oh, yeah. yeah. Tell them some spread. Nice. Yeah, have, have some popcorn and have some soft serve for me, please. And tell everyone just pipe down a little bit. They're, they're loud. They're too excited <laughs> there in the uh, Fenway cafeteria. Trust me, there's nothing that great that they're eating that they should be loud and excited right now in the cafeteria. I can tell you. I made a big bet today on Twitter about the Red Sox versus the White Sox. So we gotta, we're going to have to ask June what their chances are. What was your big bet? Just throw so it out Dylan right Dreyer, now. who's the weather girl on uh, Today Show, not out. Not Al, but the one that does after him. Her husband is a buddy of mine, and he said he's a Red Sox fan. So he said, if the Red Sox win more games, I have to dye my hair red. And if the White Sox win more games, he'll dye his hair white. Wow. I was like, that's Ooh. easy money. White Sox, baby. That is. Oh, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, June agrees. For the first Sox. time in my life, June agrees with me. <laughs> even, as, even as a Red Sox fan, I'm not optimistic <laughs> about that at all. Oh, my God. I would not make that then. <laughs> you want in on this june uh, I, I think i'd rather I, I think i'd rather just play it safe because you just never know what the ball season <laughs> <laughs> hey june tell us about what you just wrote about anthony volpe um you know i heard they they tried to give him a key to the city um or to his town where he grew up in jersey he's like nah i didn't do enough yet he i don't th- he hasn't batted yet his, his debut at bat wise coming up soon as judge already homered in that yankee game but but what did you learn yeah, I mean, I, I was just kind of curious about why people were so excited about him, not in terms of just his ability on the field, but his personality, why people were so confident that he'd be someone at 21 years old with you know, less than 30 games at AAA that he'd be able to transition to the major leagues. And I think that one of the interesting parts is that it, it kind of all stems from his family, which is tends to what happened, tends to be what happened when it comes to these kinds of things, where, you know, I talked to both his mom and his dad for a really long time. And they both had these insane family stories where Anthony's great grandfather came over from Italy and was making his living to establish his kind of foundation in America by selling fruit from a cart in lower Manhattan, where his mom's side of the family came over as a result of kind of the political dysfunction uh, in the Philippines at the time, uh, came over with basically seven kids and, you know, made their way in America. And so, when you kind of contextualize his entire family history, kind of how hard uh, things were for both sides of his family at different points in, in their history. And Anthony's kind of sitting at the dinner table, hearing all these stories about what it's like to you know, live in America without anything and having to work and grind for you know, just building a foundation in this country, you know, making friends in this country, all of that. Um, I think for him, it helps him contextualize everything that's happening around him right now. Because as crazy as you know, being a hometown kid, playing for the Yankees, you know, being compared to Derek Jeter is, it's not as crazy as escaping the Philippines in the middle of the war or selling fruit in a, in a car downtown in Manhattan just to make a living. I mean, that's an incredible story. I mean, it's a story for that. That's, that's what makes America great. I mean, that's why America is such a great country. Um, I want to ask, as I see behind you, the uh, Red Sox introductions about Masataka Yoshida. He was my teammate for two years in Japan, and I absolutely love the guy. And... I mean, I seen him take Charlie Morton deep the other day, 
how has the you know how has he fit in? You should say, and how the guys gravitated towards him in his uh, I think, weeks there because he went back to the WBC. Yeah, I'm curious from your point of view too, as Adam, just because I think one of the things that was happening in Boston when he was signed was you know, people worried about the velocity transition. I think the WBC may have kind of quelled some of those fears just because the Japanese team threw harder than any other team in the WBC. They had that, you know, I think the most number of 100 miles per hour fastballs in the entire tournament. But I think the thing that has surprised people here is how confidently he carried himself. Um, he doesn't really seem phased by the fact that even after the WBC, he's kind of gotten more famous in Japan because he was such a huge part of that team's offense. Uh, but there's all these cameras kind of following him around day to day. And he seems completely just focused on hitting and doing the best that he can for the team. And I was really impressed by his batting practice when I was down uh, at spring training because he wasn't trying to just like hit the ball as far as possible. It was spreading the ball to all fields and just trying to get the barrel on the on the baseball and just hit line drives and I really think that he's going to end up hitting a lot of balls off the monster this year because when you watch him take batting practice he's not just focused on trying to pull everything like a lot of these like all or nothing home run hitters are these days he's really focused on just trying to make as much contact as possible which is where I think the game is going to be headed over the course of the next couple of years as you know we've seen kind of the, the game swing in such an extreme direction towards home runs where you see a team like the Cleveland Guardians last year who were able to make the playoffs because they just got the that on the baseball, and I think Yoshi kind of fits into the way that the game is heading in that direction. Jim, is there is there any kind of feeling in Red Sox camp that there's no Xander Bogarts? Like, is it is it something that the feeling around camp is just like oh, dejection, like we lost a guy? I think there's a sense that there's a leadership gap right now. Because I think there's definitely people who are trying to fill that void. Kike Hernandez has talked a lot about trying to step up as a leader. Rafael Devers is a young guy. He's still 26 and obviously he has the big contract. But I think the team is kind of expecting him to slowly grow into that role. Like when I talked to him, Rafi earlier this year, he was talking about how he doesn't necessarily think about himself as a leader. Like he's just trying to come in on a day-to-day basis, be the best baseball player that he can. And he does lead by example. I mean, a lot of guys on the team do view him as a leader in that way, and that he's always always one of the first guys in all the kind of cliche stuff that you expect out of the best player on the team. Um, but I do think that there is this gap right now where people are, you know, there's this kind of generational shift happening. And I think we're still in the middle of this transition right now, given Heim Bloom's like kind of long-term plan for building out this team. And I think that there's just a sense of uneasiness, especially just given the fact that there aren't a ton of expectations uh, on this team heading into this season. At the same time, Boston wants this team to make the playoffs, uh, but they're also not expecting them to do well just given the state of the roster at the current moment. So I think there's this kind of balance where the fans are unwilling. I mean, I think this might be – there's a lot of tickets on sale right now at RedSox.com to come see opening day, and that's just not something that happens. Like this – the people – when I talk to people at the ballpark today – it is as unexcited as Boston has been for a Red Sox season in a really long time, especially given the fact that the Celtics and the Bruins are doing so well. Um, it's just a really unusual, weird vibe at Fenway currently. June, since you're at Fenway Park, and I believe you once covered me, I have a bone to pick with you. You wrote an article, which I didn't even know about until today when you were coming on, and you said I snapped at you and said something mean to you. Did I? I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. But I was a little bit disgusted by the fact that John John Lester, I caught him, I thought, twice, but apparently three times. And one time he did well, and two times he didn't do so well. And I think you wrote the article or about how I snapped and said, it's not me, it's just a bad day. So I apologize if I snapped at you, but why, why, why take shots at me like that that I don't even remember? <laughs> 
I think I was, I think it was like an 18 year old college freshman at the time. And I was like <laughs> wanting to get to a place where I was just asking tougher questions. And I think I was just like genuinely curious at the time, like, was there anything to you catching John Lester that made him perform worse? Uh, I think everyone was just kind of in like a little bit of an anti place. Uh, but I do remember like that was the first time I remember. And obviously not the last time either where an, an athlete has gotten angry at a question. So I do appreciate you uh, kind of ushering me into that because it is just like a, a byproduct of, of doing this job. You ask questions that sometimes guys are going to like. Well, also, when you ask a question that gets kind of personal, like, well, it's your fault that John Lester sucked. Well, it's not my fault John Lester he sucked. He was 18. He was day. throwing the ball. I was just trying to knock that crap down June back there. He was 18 years old. I, I know. He's a kid. It's like a kid reporter. Not really, but like close to it. Yeah, but if he had one of the – if he had a kid reporter, I would have said, okay, June, let's sit down. We'll have a real interview. If you come in with the full credential, you're getting the full treatment there, pal. I remember – I remember uh, – like after that, like the soundbite went around sports radio the next day because Boston was just like that. And I was just like, I did not remotely expect that to happen. Like, and it was, uh, I don't know, it was just like, it was one of those moments where I was like, I guess this is just like a byproduct of the job sometimes. Well, you're welcome, <laughs> by the way. You're welcome for launching your career. Right? You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate it, AJ. <laughs> I wouldn't be here without you. So I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is really full circle. He's at Fenway. 100%. 32 degrees, I heard. That's why well. no one's there. So, June, I also saw your article on the City Connects, and you lit, you ranked them, which I, I like. You put the Braves way down there, which I also like. You don't like those? They're too normal. They look like they're normal throwbacks. Okay. And you also put the Red Sox too high because the Red Sox, yellow, blue, I know they get the marathon thing, and then you have the, you have the White Sox too. I'm sorry, the White Sox are the best ones because they fit their team the best. Not the Rocky. So, so, so argue with me here. Argue with all of us. So th there might be a little, little bit of like a Bostonian bias for me, I think, with the yellow and blue. The marathon's a huge deal in this city. It means a lot to me. So there's probably a little bit of bias there. Uh, I just, like, as much as I love the White Sox ones, like, I, they were number one for a very long time until those Rockies ones came out for me. Uh, I just like that the Rockies like really went out there and just tried to do something completely different. I'm, AJ, I'm like right there with you with the Braves where it's like you barely made a tweak to something that you already wear, which is like on its face, a great uniform. Like I'm not trying to say it's a bad looking uniform. Like that's kind of why I'm, uh, I, I place it ahead of the Dodgers one because like I hate the Dodgers blue pants. Like the all blue look on those uniforms, I think just kind of suck. Um, and so... I don't know if you're not going to put in any effort into this. Like, it's not like giving into the vibe of City Connect. Like, this is supposed to be something where it really you kind of really put yourself out there versus like trying to do something that already exists. So I have one because you are clearly the best dressed writer, and you will always be the best dressed writer in every room you go into. You're at the forefront of this. What can baseball do to be more of that? We kind of texted a little bit about this, like. What can baseball do to be more like the forefront of that pop culture, that like the trendiness city connect is, you know, it came in because Nike took over the uniforms. Like they were already doing it in the NBA. What can we do that is going to be like, Whoa, baseball's doing that. That's hot. I think one of the things that the teams need to prioritize and really think about is not just thinking about these uniforms as something that the players were on the field, but something that people wear on the streets with like uniforms just like on a day-to-day -day basis so like making sure that the jerseys fit into current style trends you know fonts colors that kind of stuff but making sure that it's generally a part of like what is happening in fashion as a whole because i think that one of the underrated parts of all of this 
and I think with just uniforms in general is that fashion can often be a gateway for like the most casual sports fan to start to get into baseball because I read a story actually the other day I think it's in Brazil where the New York Yankees hat is extremely possible popular but no one you know watches baseball there and Major League Baseball from the executives I talked to there think a lot about how fashion is a way for people to just get dip their toe into the world of baseball. So like one of the reasons why they're excited about the UK as a potential market for baseball in the future is that lots of people already wear Yankees and Red Sox hats. In South Korea, if you go over there, they have MLB fashion stores where they have like, you know, basically, you know, these like dad shoes that have Yankee logos all over them or Red Sox logos all over them. And people wear stuff as like a fashion statement more so than thinking about the baseball team. Because for a lot of people, like, the New York Yankees logo doesn't represent the Yankees. It represents New York. You know, the Red Sox logo doesn't represent the Red Sox. It represents Boston. And so I think teams need to kind of take that mindset and think about how these uniforms can you know, be worn by rappers or celebrities at award shows and how you can try to integrate all that stuff and trying to make yourself kind of more visible beyond kind of the day-to-day typical sports audience who might just be wearing because they're a sports fan. Before, before we – Eric's got yeah. one more question for you, but you said you don't you don't like the blue pants, but you like the green pants on the Rockies? I'm confused here. The green is – so you like green better than blue because the, the Cubs and the Dodgers are very similar. So you like the green over the blue, I take it. So I, it's that like specific shade of blue with the Dodgers that I don't particularly like, I think. And it's also just like the Dodgers like took – something that pretty much looks like their current uniform and they didn't do a whole lot with it other than like the most Dodgers thing. And the, the Rockies really put themselves out there by like really straying away from the color. So I, I appreciate like how bold they were with their design versus the Dodgers, like kind of going with something that already is like a variation of what they already have. I don't want you to miss opening day, but who's the most fashionable player in the game right now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, did you see the pants that Pete Alonzo wore today? I'm not saying that he's the answer, but did you see the pants that he wore today? Should he not have been? <laughs> no, they're. I think they're dope. Like they're Ichiro, like Ichiro pants. was the most fashionable when he played. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, that's a good. But call. he's not playing, Kratz. You said um, he's not the playing. Most fashionable today. Now, Jazz Chisholm can can get Jazz after Chisholm it. is up there. Yeah, Verlander tries yeah. really hard. Yeah, but he's not the most fashionable. But he tries really hard. Just, I'm not he, saying he is. Just, just because he trying hard doesn't make, make you a good dresser. No, I agree. I'm just saying he tries to be really hard, though. He's not it, but he tries. Machado. I, I always appreciate the effort, though, because there's, there's a decent number of guys. Not that I, like, you know, think it's bad Strowman. to like, walk in with a pair of T-shirts and jeans. But, like, when someone does put some effort into it, I do appreciate it. Francisco Lindor is definitely a guy who I, whose fashion I appreciate. Yep. And Adam mentioned Machado, Lindor. Those are good ones. June. And also we can tell everyone broadcasters and writers are allowed to wear chains. Maybe not five, but I don't know how many is too many, but, but one, these guys give me a hard time sometimes from, from my chain. So thank you uh, for repping the fresh crowd. I'm with you, man. It was really fun. Enjoy opening day. All right. We'd love to have you back yeah. sometime. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. June Lee from ESPN does a great job. Fun to get after it. And obviously you can go all day with all these guests.